unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I spent the morning listening to a secret project that you sent me, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that because when the listeners finally find out about this, it's going to blow their minds. It will. I mean, that's the intention to blow it in the right direction. All right. Well, um, let's, uh, let's go. Um, as we're recording this in December, one of my heroes just died a few days ago, the great test pilot, Chuck Yeager. Um, you know, the whole idea, the book, the movie called The Right Stuff was pretty much inspired by him, his courage, his innovations, his incredible skill. Uh, here's something interesting from an obituary of sorts in the New York Times about him. In his memoir, General Yeager said he was annoyed when people asked him if he had the right stuff, since he felt that implied it was a talent he was born with. Quote, all I know is I worked my tail off learning how to fly, and I worked hard at it all the way, he wrote in his memoir. The secret to my success was that somehow I managed to live to fly another day. Okay, it sounds folksy and simple-minded, doesn't it? But don't let it fool you. What he said there was profound. The Chuck Yeager story brought to mind a book called Mastery by George Leonard. It's one of my all-time favorites, and it's not about copywriting, but Leonard was a very good and successful magazine writer and author himself, among other things, and he knew a lot about mastery. And today, I want to take a few tidbits from the book, which are gold nuggets in their own right, and talk about how to use them to get really good and stay really good at writing copy. But first, I invite you to get really good at hearing this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, one thing to understand about this whole idea of mastery, as George Leonard saw it, and as I see it too, is that it's not a destination. It's not that one day you've achieved mastery, and so you can check that off the bucket list, and you can go about your business drinking scotch, or going fishing, or climbing at the climbing gym. No, mastery is a way of doing things and is more of a path than a destination. Once you get on the path of mastery, you should never be done. It's an evolving thing. It's true. There are people who are masters in life, but it doesn't mean they're done practicing or learning or done growing or improving. It's just an ongoing thing, and to a lot of people, that's a surprise, but it's true. George Leonard was on this path. Besides writing about mastery and writing for 
famous magazines in the 60s and 70s, 80s, like Look Magazine, Life Magazine. He taught Aikido at his own dojo in Mill Valley, California. And he died about 10 years ago after a long life. He was born in 1923. But 20 years ago, when I recorded my first copywriting products, one of my students, Jane, had been an Aikido student of George's at his dojo in Mill Valley. So in the book, in this book, Mastery by George Leonard, he has a chapter called Pitfalls Along the Path, and he listed 13 of them. Pitfalls being things that get in the way of your being on the path of mastery. So he listed 13. I've combined a few of them and left a few of them out. And I've reshaped them and added some narrative, some examples, some ideas for copywriting. So this is only a few ideas from one chapter of the book, combined with a lot of stuff about getting good at copywriting. I'd urge you to get this book and read it more than once. It's a short book, but it's deep and easy to read and really powerful, and it might surprise you. A Mastery by George Leonard. It's made a huge difference in my life. Okay, now that I'm done selling the book, let's talk about what I've rebranded these pitfalls as, which is roadblocks. Um, I think that's appropriate since we're talking about being on a path, right? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about them now. Roadblock number one, and some of these may be counterintuitive, so just keep an open mind for at least till I finish my spiel on each one. Roadblock number one, focusing too much and too hard on your goals. Now, goals are important, and if you don't have a goal, you don't know where you're going, and if you don't know where you're going, you could end up anywhere or nowhere, but don't let your goals be so tight that they bind and chafe. The goals are meant to serve you, not the other way around. You're not a slave to your goals. Sometimes people get so locked into their goals, so OCD about it, that it cramps their style and their progress. Now, this is not to diminish goals. A goal is a sacred thing because it helps you set your career GPS and can serve as a milestone and it can provide motivation for you. But once you set a goal, make sure that you also set aside the tendency to obsess over it. Overthinking the goal won't get you where you want to go. What you should do instead, once you have your goal set, is focus on the steps you need to take to reach the goal. Then, wait for it, actually take those steps. Okay? In short, after you set your goal, get busy. You need to be aware and you need to be flexible. Um, don't be too rigid by the time. Don't say, by June 1st, X, Y, and Z are going to happen. You can't always control that. I mean, the uh, goals, you know, I know that I know in the motivational speaking world, they say that a goal is a dream with a deadline. So you can set a target date, but you can't always control whether or not you're going to reach it. You don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, things have a way of happening sometimes on their own schedule. Now, I'm not saying don't set the date, but don't get all messed up if you don't reach that date. Um, and if something you thought would work doesn't work, find out why. 
Or if you can't find out why, at least try something else and see if that works. But, you know, you want to be flexible, but don't change your goals every week. I mean, be patient and flexible as you keep moving in the same general direction. You made a really good point that I hope doesn't get glossed over by the listener, which is the goal. A lot of times we create these grand goals and it looks like Mount Everest and that can be overwhelming and it can cause paralysis. But asking yourself, what's the first step that I can take? What's the next immediate thing that I can do? Instead of focusing on the there, the goal that's way out there, focus on what's right now. What can I do right now to start getting there? And just asking yourself, what's the next immediate step that I can take? Um, kind of breaks it down into bite-sized chunks and makes it a lot easier to actually get started. Yeah, um, great point. It reminds me, I'm taking an online course on sound design, which is fascinating because a lot of the things I have learned in music production, I'm really getting clear on because the way the guys are teaching it is different and better for me. So one of the guys is someone named Constantine really funny guy, really smart and really eccentric. And he, um, he was saying it's, it's that he's teaching with another guy named guy the guys actually named guy. And he was saying that he really likes to watch cooking shows, even though he doesn't cook. And he said, the reason he does is because in cooking shows, they show you how to do it step by step. And that's also how he does sound design and music production. And, and it's important thing, you know, in all of the creative fields, um, certainly writing, uh, music, art, cartooning, um, th there are a lot of people who are completely unaware of their process, but very good at it, who think that it can't be taught. It all comes from inspiration. There's no method to it. Either you got it, you got the talent or you don't. I mean, right at the beginning, we're talking about Chuck Yeager said, I didn't have no freaking talent. I worked my ass off. And um, it's probably what he really said. But then the book editor said, well, we want to make this family friendly or whatever. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, talent matters, but talent without system, talent without step-by-step, -step, talent without looking at what needs to be improved and working on that ain't going to happen. So yeah, the, the small steps are really important, but you want to see the big picture too. You want to know where you're going, but you don't want to be consumed by it. I think that's what you're saying, right? Don't make it your Mount Everest. I want to take a moment to point out how vitally important headlines are in copy. As you may already know, the strength of your headline accounts for up to 80 or even 90% of the effectiveness of your ad. Think about that. What if there were a way to shortcut the headline writing process and start a new headline based on a proven winner? Well, there is. It's all in my book called Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. This book is available now on Amazon.com. Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. What's unique about this book is it shows you exactly how to adapt a proven winner to your product or service because I show you 10 adaptations for each headline in different niches and explain the psychology of how to adapt a headline. Advertising headlines that make you rich in hard copy and Kindle formats on Amazon. Now, back to our show. All right, let's talk about 
roadblock number two, it's being non-competitive, not competing at all, saying, oh, I'm just me, or being way too competitive, okay? So I'm not going to talk about being non-competitive. I think it ought to be obvious that if you're in copywriting, you are competing against others, against other copywriters, you're competing for your prospects time their money their belief okay so we'll dispense with that but you know when i say being non-competitive or being too competitive or both roadblocks i know this one sounds a little like goldilocks and the three bears not too competitive but not competitive enough let me give you an example to put this in perspective so brian kurtz who you know was the executive vice president at boardroom uh the publisher and then started his own, you know, a training and coaching and seminar and, and mastermind business. He did a famous Titans copywriting event a few years ago, and he put four copywriters, did a little drawing or uh, painting, four copywriters on an alternative version <clears throat> of Mount Rushmore. Uh, truly outstanding copywriters. And two of these four are friends of mine. Now, you would think that guys who've written controls that lasted for years for boardroom and other publishers would be viciously competitive and would bite your nose off as soon as say hello to you. Not true, right? Uh, They're both very exacting in their thinking. They push hard in their work. And you could say they've achieved mastery in copywriting, even beyond what Brian Kurtz says. And he should know since he was, you know, writing them checks and probably getting very nice bonuses for the results of their work. But I want to tell you, they don't walk through the world and they don't act towards others in a super competitive way. They're both generous and considerate people. And I personally know they've helped a lot of other people. Now, I know another copywriter who claims to be an A-lister. No one I know thinks that about this copywriter. This copywriter is what I would call super competitive, overly competitive, never has a nice thing to say about anyone especially the really successful copywriters. And this copywriter, who shall remain nameless, has not come anywhere close in accomplishment to the other two I mentioned. Now, I want to say something important. My point here is not to praise the other two copywriters or to bury the third one, um, to quote Brutus and Julius Caesar. My point is simply this. Really successful people are indeed competitive and sometimes insecure, but people who walk the path of mastery tend to compete more against themselves than others. They're clearly competing, and they improve on what they've already done. They're constantly reaching for a new personal best. Maybe it sounds corny or cliche, but that's the reality. So the bottom line here is you want to find a way to be in the game without trying to murder your competition. This podcast itself is kind of a testament to that as well. We've obviously delivered lessons on this podcast that if they were bundled up in a course would probably cost thousands of dollars if sold by other copywriters. We've also had a lot of some of the world's greatest copywriters come on and just freely give their information. These these are people that are writing controls that last years and years against all the competition. So they're competitive people. But you have kind of a uh, a knack for seeking out the people that balance the competition plus that abundance mentality where 
they're competitive, but they're also very willing to give their knowledge freely. And, and, um, I, I feel like it's been a blessing to be a part of this project, but you've definitely shown that spirit over and over throughout these episodes. Well, thank you sincerely, but I'd also like to say everybody likes attention. All right. So, um, let's talk about roadblock number three, laziness. Most people like hacks. They like shortcuts, faster, easier, better ways to do things. And that's all good. But no matter how you slice it, achieving mastery requires putting in the time and doing the work. There's just no way around it. And this includes sometimes when you just don't really feel like it. You have to do this regularly. Now, again, don't go overboard with this one. It doesn't mean overwork or workaholism. And sometimes that happens for sure. But in an ongoing basis, pedal to the metal all the time is a good recipe for burnout, chronic fatigue syndrome, and in terms of your work, quite possibly mediocrity. It's not the time you put in so much as what you put into the time. It's not the time you put in so much as what you put into the time. Oh, I guess I repeated myself. Some great writers only work three hours a day, but they do it every day, or at least five days a week. And when they write, they put 100% into it. They give it all they got. And some writers work more than three hours a day. I know a very successful guy who works 10 or 12 hours a day. I don't know why, but um, he certainly has a lot to show for it. Regardless of the number of hours, and regardless of how smart, how smart you learn to work, you have to put in the time and effort if you want to get better and keep getting better. One thing that I learned very early on is sometimes it's better to read one book 10 times than read 10 books one time. So you can spend the same amount of time reading, but how you spend that time can make a huge impact on the results that you end up getting. I agree. I I agree. And some books are worth reading very quickly and only once if that so you you have to pick the book but i I agree with you all right roadblock number four four focus on fame or recognition from others at the expense of time in the trenches and doing what it takes to get results look it's only human to crave praise and validation and like i said before attention and awards for writing are great like the clio the Emmy of TV commercials or the Caples Award for direct mail. But I have yet to see anyone walk into a bank and deposit a Clio or a Caples Award into their checking account. I've won awards for my writing. This is the first time I've brought it up on the podcast and it'll be the last. Why? I don't bring it up because I don't think any of my copy clients or my coaching clients even know this. And I don't think any of them would care if they found out. In fact, I'm sure I'll be getting some grief from some of them after this show airs. Here's how I look at it. Fame and fortune are results. They come after you've done something for real, something important that made a difference, usually a financial difference. And for copywriters, fame and fortune often come far later than when they think they deserve it. But again, it's doing the work and learning from your mistakes that gets you good and builds true confidence that can lead to the fame and fortune, at least in this business. It's not awards or being famous. And in marketing in general, we've kind of moved away from that idea. 
uh, there's the, especially with like social media, they try and judge their work based off of likes and shares rather than actual sales. And just like you said, you, you can't go and pay your rent with likes and shares. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting if, if Chase or B of A opened a like bank, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's not happening. All right. <clears throat> All right. Um, Roadblock number five is rigid, humorless seriousness. Now, copywriters, some of them, many of us are very serious people, but even the most serious, matter of fact, great copywriter who I know personally has a sense of humor. Now, to be sure, it's different than mine. What he thinks is funny, I think sometimes is annoying, but no one would ever accuse him of being humorless. And let's talk about another top copywriter. Carlene Anglide Cole, who was on this podcast, you remember her. She was here a few months ago. She is hardcore and serious and very successful. And she's also hilarious when she wants to be. She's one of the funniest people we've had on the show. You remember. The point is, you'll need a sense of humor to get to the higher levels in this business. It's really the only productive way to deal with some of the craziness that will inevitably come your way. Some serious. Some good advice I once got, don't take yourself too seriously, but take your work seriously, seriously. Maybe a side note to that also, a little bit of humor in your writing, which is hard to pull off, but if you can pull it off, it's a great way to keep people engaged as well. I, I agree. Um, and the, the key thing is, if you're a very creative person who loves to show off your inventive mind, you know really reel it in a little bit dial it back if you're using humor you don't want the humor to take over the theme and the message you just want to use it to to be a little state break a little um little little fun moment in in your story uh and and yeah it's hard to pull off you need to know what you're doing but um look at how other people do it and analyze it and start to get a feel for it before you dive into that okay Roadblock number six, inconsistency. So Woody Allen, the these days controversial filmmaker, once said 80% of success is showing up. Now, he didn't mean that all you have to do is show up 80% of the time and you'll be successful. What it means is your success is based not just in how good you are at what you do, but how consistently you do it and follow through. So let's put this in grade school terms. 80% of your grade will be based on whether you show up for class and 20% of it will be based on how well you do what you do. I gotta get rid of that voice. It even hurts my nose. I think of showing up as doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And flaky people are usually not that successful. For two reasons. One, lack of commitment makes mastery all but impossible. And two, when it comes to flaky people, clients, partners, employers, investors prefer people they know they can count on. Sometimes it seems like consistency is at odds with being spontaneous and creative, but it's not. Actually, consistency gives you a space and a structure to do what you need to do to be spontaneous and creative. So before I wrap up, any thoughts on consistency? 
I, I know that I struggle with this one. Um, I try to write myself deadlines and say it has to be done by this day. Sometimes the idea comes to me three or four days before, and I have a sales page done way before I thought I'd have it done. Sometimes I'm up the night before the deadline trying to get it written and edited, and that always sucks. Uh, all I know, though, for sure, is that this is something that I still struggle with, and I've been doing this for a decade now, and I still struggle with uh, with. Sometimes the idea just doesn't come until the last minute. Yeah, let me let me say something about that. I'm really glad you brought it up because it's it's a good point. When we're talking about consistency, we're not talking about being a machine. We're we're not talking about, you know, being a factory with an assembly line and a schedule. What we're talking about is showing up, making the effort um doing what you say you're going to do to the degree that you can control it, right? And, you know, the the creation of ideas is still, even in this really modern, neuroscientifically advanced age, a little bit of a mystery. We talk about a lot. There are hacks. There are things you can do. But to some degree, it's um, up to someone or something else. But if you do your part as consistently as you can. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but every once in a while, an idea comes to me, and I don't even think I'm the one that created it. Sometimes it feels like it came from somewhere else. I've had that experience, too. Yes. So. We're welcome to mystical copywriting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so someday we'll have to do a, a podcast episode on reaching into the ether and pulling out those ideas. That would be interesting. Um, I, I'll think about that. Uh, let's think about that. Let's figure out how we could do that. Okay. But meanwhile, back to mastery and what keeps copywriters from getting good and what to do about it. Here, here are six roadblocks to avoid. And we've, we've gone through exactly what, how to do the opposite of these things already. But here's a recap of the roadblocks. Focusing too much and too hard on your goals, number one. Number two, being non-competitive or way too competitive. Number three, laziness. Number four, focus on fame or recognition from others at the expense of time in the trenches and doing what it takes to get results. Five, rigid, humorless seriousness. And six, inconsistency. And again, I just want to recommend this book, Mastery by George Leonard. There you can see his name now. yeah, um, and we can we can put a, an Amazon link in in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, and I think that was one of the first books when me and you first started working together. That was one of the first books that you recommended that I read, and uh, it really changed my mind about a lot of things when it comes to talent and skill and raw ability. That was kind of a wake up call for me. Yeah, you know, it's it's an it's an important book for people who are talented at some things. And know they're talented to read, but it's also important for people who think they have no talent because in in either case, it'll set you straight on a lot of misconceptions that, okay, I'm going to say it, Hollywood has planted in our brains. (laughs) All right, David, another fantastic episode. And if you, the listener, want to check out more episodes, you can go to copywriterspodcast.com. Anything else before we're out of here? 
No, that's it. See you next show. See you next time. Bye. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.